For all of you who listen to Mackie Second Floor Studios Presents Submersion and own an Android device, do me a favor. Go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I use the app, and I love it. I can search for the podcasts I want to listen to, select them as favorites, and have them all just a click away. Make sure to set Mackie's Second Floor Studios as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 43! Woo! After a long absence. Yes! We've been gone for two weeks, and but we wanted to come back big. We have literally everyone on tonight. And we're going to be recording for like... Six or seven hours recapping. We, we're pretty one. important people. We live fascinating lives, so our d- listeners can deal with it. Yeah, man. Sure. What, what type of fascinating stuff were you doing for our two-week absence? I watched the funniest YouTube video ever made. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Pretty, well, what was our, that? Our friend, ben, our friend Ben in Ohio, uh, who's you know who's on the podcast, this Ben, um, <laughs> He showed me this video at a cabin that we stayed at together over the weekend, along with uh, four or five other guys. And wow. um, it's very fun. It's very Changed funny. Changed his life. Changed my life. <laughs> we'll uh, put a link in the description. Yeah. Great. Let me. Um, <laughs> let me uh, pl- what, do you guys want to tease? You want to hear a little tease? Yeah, give us a little tease in that. Yeah, tease us, man. All right, let me get the tease going. Play me the tease music. Oh, it's a teasy time. Time to get teased. All right, here's the tease. You want to you tease at the beginning of the video or tease at the end of the video? <laughs> just doesn't matter. Just tease that, it. That. <laughs> right, here we go. 22 seconds. Oh, 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 there, there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. Awesome. There's the tease. It's like content. It's good content. I wonder what the heck was going on in all the group chats. He was like, there it is. There it is. <laughs> like, there what it are is. those guys talking about? I said oh, my today word. at work. <laughs> good Lord. People didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> Anyway, on this episode, we have a interview with Eric Marino. Again, he's back. He's live. Not live, but you know. Right. Pre-recorded. He's got some pretty exciting news. He is actually going to be on an A&E biography documentary online. Wow. Um, being interviewed for a submarine, Museum Submarines. And uh, it's it's great. It'll be at the end of this episode. Very nice. and. To confirm, he's still alive, right? Yes, he is. He is still alive. Great. So did you, you ended up talking about that, and was it Hunter Killer? Did you talk? Yeah, about we talk. We talk Hunter Killer, and we also, you know, talk some things that I've wondered about with submarines, on how on earth they get torpedoes in them, all that type of stuff. You know, just just some good old fashioned sub talk. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like you, of all people, would not be looking forward to it. <laughs> Why? He probably won't listen to it. <laughs> I'm looking. It will make the episode I'm like two and a half hours long. Forward so. to it. All right. Hey, dive, 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 dive. <laughs> what began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control, and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. 
Mac East Second Floor Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Brain, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. All right. We enter the second week of Cold War Movie Month. Nice. Are we going to insert... Brahm singing, or is it a new song? Yeah, I don't have to sing again, right? I don't think so. Okay, great. Mm, who else, I'm, I'm not else singing sing? again. <laughs> anybody else? Does anyone else know a song with a cold in it? <laughs> who is what that? Uh, Crossfade? I think it's Crossfade. Baby, it's cold outside. Is that song about rape? It is. Yeah. yeah. But that's like kind of a tired thing. Michael they've Bublé. already started like refusing to... Uh, play it on radio stations. And oh, stuff. that's a big so, like, fucking lie. I think there's a station in Cleveland, Ohio that's <laughs> not playing it. Right, but didn't you? You read the lyrics. It's pretty explicit. I mean, it uh, has like, been for years. Was it like 1930 to, it was written, though? I don't have to read it. I right. can just hear it on the radio. Right. Yeah. It's like basically like she's asking, like, what's in it, what he put in his, her drink and stuff like that. Well, it's supposed to be a whole ba- thing. Like, it's the guy wasn't the guy supposed to be like what a rat? No, isn't he like a cat oh, and the girl's a mouse? A Is that right? It's I, supposed to be about you, animals. If you look at yeah, they're supposed to be animals. No, Ooh. what what else eats mice? Cats. <laughs> no, I think it's just cats. Is it just cats? Well, if you look up on Wikipedia, it says All right, like, what the, the song. What are we it's, even it's, talking it's, about right now? It's a mouse and a cat, and the girl's supposed or, to be the mouse, and the, the cat's supposed to convince the mouse to stay, and then. Um, assault it. Right. Great. This, so this is, is the plot This is the episode the we, need we, to, we need to submit to the Potty Awards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see if we... All uh, right. <laughs> see if we can Alex, win anything. What did we watch this week? All right. Well, uh, it was a comedy, although the internet says it was an action-adventure movie. Questionable. Uh, but it stars Miss Bowling Green herself, and it's called The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. Made in 1966. Ooh. Did Eva Marie Saint go to Bowling Green? Yeah. Wasn't there a building named after her? Mm-hmm. Wow. How did I not even know that? He's probably, a clue in a lot of Probably lot the of second most famous person from BG. And wow. who's the first? Everybody knows it. Urban. Oh, that ice skater. Oh. <laughs> oh. Scott Hamilton. Scott oh, Hamilton, Scott Hamilton for sure. Urban Meyer street named after him. Urban Meyer coached there. He didn't go there. He just coached yeah, that's where he got his debut. I still think it counts. And it's only been upwards and skywards for the Bowling Green football since then. They're Hardly. soaring. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, like Alex said, this is a 1966 classic uh, directed by Norman Jewison. It stars Carl Reiner, Eva Marie Saint, and Alan Arkin, nice. who I think we were all very surprised to see because- as many of us had mentioned, we only know Alan Arkin as a, an old man. He's uh, an old person. Jonathan Winters is also in there. Don't forget him. Sorry, I did not mean any disrespect or bad blood towards Jonathan Winters. Mr. Winters, please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, this movie was also nominated for four Academy Awards. The most accolades we're going to probably see in a film, I would think. Do we, no, that's watch? No, but it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. That's true. Well, yeah. but it had so many awards it was nominated. It did get for. it nominated for a lot of awards, but this one had Best Picture nominated. Yeah. Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role, wow, Best real- Writing, and Best Film Editing. That's really surprising. And, it, and it, Alan Arkin was nominated. Yeah. And he was the lead? And he was- Question mark? And he was also, honestly, I just didn't think he was very good. It seems like- You it, bite your tongue. <laughs> it, seemed like he, it seemed like he was like a- It was very like hokey. Imp- 
Exactly. It was like an improv, like yeah. you're going to play a Russian. This whole movie felt like improv. Yeah, it a did. Bit, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why I loved it. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. Anyways, I don't even think this is going to take the whole time because when I was sitting there taking notes, I was just like, what do I need to take notes on? But oh, anyways. Now, now that you said that, this is oh, going to take great. 45 minutes. And away we go. All right. So we start in 1600s when they first conceived the idea of comedy. No, sorry. Great. Um, no, so, so there's a Soviet <laughs> Navy submarine and it's prowling about the United States coast. Now we are, it's, it's off the coast of Massachusetts. Hey, Jim, Shout you out. could say it was creeping. It was creeping. Because <laughs> they said in the movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> and everything's in Russian. There's no subtitles. Uh, it's supposed to just, you're supposed to kind of get from what they're doing exactly what's happening. And essentially, the captain. These, they were, these really, were all American actors, though, weren't they? They were, yes. Yeah. Well, technically. I mean, Theodore Bickle was born in Austria, but he was, uh, I guess, naturalized in the United States. And stuff Is that like close that. enough to Russia? Close enough to get an accent reasonably close. There you <laughs> go. Cool. <laughs> so they were, they were speaking Russian, quote unquote. Uh, back and forth to each other and you get the sense that something's going wrong and Alan Arkin's character is kind of saying like you're going to hit the coast like turn back and the captain he's, yeah for whatever reason is like get the fuck out of here yeah dude he's, here. Uh, captain is a little bit hot-headed and yeah. uh, that'll come into play later I and mean, I can tell I can understand why he probably was like pointing to his pants and was like check it before yep. you wreck it and then he did wreck it into the, it right into the coast, into man. The coast. And, and they kind of explain it later as, or maybe even then in Russian, like he was trying to get a really good close of America, a really good close look at America because they've never been that close to America. And then the maps weren't very good or not correct. So they ended up running aground when they tried to get real close. They got a pretty good, uh, you know, mapping to that undersea floor. Right. What am I even saying? I don't know. So they then uh, kind of go out on a little boat and go on to shore. This, to actually, to this is a really cool a, scene. They pull out a map. We find out we are on Gloucester Island, which is a fictitious which is not a real island, island. Sorry, in it's, not a, it's a fictitious. There is a place called Gloucester, Massachusetts, but it's not an island. This is judging by the, what what we see here. Probably this is closer to something like Block Island or Nantucket. Did uh, this given remind the you uh, of your time growing up on Martha's Vineyard? It is not very similar because this place was basically bereft of like like it it really didn't have all that much going on. It, it seems more like maybe parts of uh, Chappaquiddick or um, Nantucket or something like that, but not most of where Chappaquiddick. I live. Exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, and for those of you who don't know, that's where the popular broom sport Quidditch was founded. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Fact. Popularized so. by a children's story where little people. Fly around on brooms at Hogwarts. Right. So they are, they don't want to ca- cause an international incident. They're kind of convinced that the American government would send a plane just to bomb them if they were found there. Uh, duh. So they decide to go off and find, they get, they send a landing party off, um, headed by Alan Arkin's character, who is Yuri Razanov. He's the political officer. So he's the Zampolit of the ship, which I actually didn't know. I'm just reading it now. Uh, you just called it a ship, buddy. Sorry, a boat. The boat. There you Sorry. go. Sorry, we've been gone for so long that I have forgotten all the terms. Uh, and they want to find a uh, motorboat in order to tow the submarine off of the seafloor. I think the proper term is jerk. They want to jerk it off the seafloor. They just want to jerk it off <laughs> the seafloor. Right, exactly. That's what they're going to do. We are then introduced to a, a family called the Whitakers, headed by Walt Whitaker. Carl Reiner, and he is a vacationing comedy writer from New York City. Oh, the big city, the Big Apple. Yep. And he's basically like, 
lamenting the fact that he's got the second act of his play slash comedy play or whatever it is uh, to write, which comes to uh, nothing in the end. It's just a meaningless part of this movie. Right. They just they just need him to have a reason to be on the island. Yeah. I think maybe there was some kind of joke about how like all these zany, kooky, crazy things are happening. And yet he keeps on saying he doesn't have a second act to his comedy. Even though, like, there's a lot of comedy going on around him. Mm. I don't know. And it was kind of funny, though, when you see him starting, <laughs> just going through his day, he's he's kind of scatterbrained or he's not fully paying attention to what he's doing. This part cracked me up so much. It's just that subtle comedy. Something is stuck in the toaster and he picks up a fork, yeah, yeah. a metal yeah. fork, yeah. to jam it down in there. His wife's like, uh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. So he's got an asshole of a kid, um, Pete. <laughs> Who's not wow, man. Who he says like it's okay to beat him, sucks. right? I'd say he's American. Yeah. True American. Sure. <laughs> he is very, very American, quote unquote. And then got a three-year-old uh, daughter as well who's like sleeping upstairs. Um, but they're about to leave the island and he's that's why he needs to have finished this thing that he was writing by the time that they go back to New York City. And they're leaving that day. So anyways, Pete sees these russians prowling around outside they've kind of come up to the house they're trying to find get a car but there's no key in there they need the key to the car to be able to go and drive it and find this motorboat or they're hoping to find a motorboat there and he keeps on telling his dad like dan the fucking russians outside maybe not in that same language but close enough pretty close yeah and the dad's like screw you there's no nothing out there you're like a kid get out of here and then and I'm surprised uh, there is something out right. there. So then eventually they decide, the Russians decide, hey, we're going to like put on these American accents, pretend to be American. They won't know the difference. And it's like this crazy thing where they sound totally ridiculous. Oh, it was so funny though, because they come up to the door and the son does ask, oh, they're Russian, they're Russian. They're like, no, no, we're not Russian. We're Norwegian. Right. Yeah. So they try <laughs> no, to claim no, wait, wait. that there's something Norwegian else. is what he said. Oh, that's right. Right. <laughs> And so, yeah, he comes up with a kind of a younger guy and, and Alan Arkin, and they are knocking on the door. And eventually, the jig is up a little bit, right? Because, like- Oh, it's the up. Kid, the kid- Almost immediately. Almost immediately. And they pull out their guns, and they're like, all right. Get in that house. We didn't want to do this, but you got to give us the keys to the car. And so, they kind of- And the, the daughter comes down, and they almost, like, shoot this little child. Yeah. Kind of. Comedy great. in the 60s. Would not have been <laughs> a good look, but they didn't do it. Right. Uh, and they feel really bad about it, actually. Feels really bad about, like, almost shooting this child or whatever. But they, they want to get the keys to the car, and they eventually get the keys. And, they, and the Whitakers want to tell them that the gas is going to run out in the car. but the, He tries to. Yeah, but the Russians are like, <laughs> screw off. You're just trying to trick us. Yeah, yeah he's like, yeah. don't do those tricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because uh, they leave the really the crazy guy who almost shot the kid. They're yeah. like, you stay Alexia. here and watch these Alexia. people here. Played the by uh, John Philip Law, which sounds like the most American person ever. It really does. And his accent was not great. It doesn't need to be. Nope. Uh, and so they drive off. They actually drive past this hot chick on a bike. They're like, woo, look at that American hot ass. Well, they even My did God. the hand motions for tits. Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, they holy did. shit, America has what? And then uh, she turns out to be like the nanny kind of. They've been, She's been taking care of the kids and stuff like that. Um, and she gets to the house and also, you know, pretty clearly it's going to be this young Russian and her are going to have like a little thing. Oh, I would have loved it if it were someone more Mrs. Doubtfire-esque. And really? they were like, oh, yeah, holy look at her. shit. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Uh, no, nobody likes it. Well, Mrs. Doubtfire was hot. 
Yeah. Yeah. How far was a man? And a man. <laughs> so it all it all would have really like played into this crazy twist at the end. Well, Can you imagine the look on that Russian's face at the end? Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I actually really like that storyline of the Russian and her kind of falling in love, but I'll get to that when that's that's our Wow, really. what are you, a sap? Well, no, I just really like the comedy in it. This idea that they are living this like kind of American dream on the beach <laughs> while everything's going kooky Is and crazy. It, the entire Ross movie Island. takes place in one day, right? Yeah, exactly. No, no, I mean, yeah. That's what I mean. They're like every everything, their whole entire life almost happens in this one moment where everything else is happening that's like su- super crazy. And they're like having long walks on the beach and like yeah. falling in love. And it's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> so weird. They're just too hot. They just attract yeah. to each other. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, the station wagon. Like eggs on a skillet. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the station station wagon runs out of gasoline. Who was hotter, Ben? Which one do you think was hotter? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Mr. Law. Okay, I would have definitely had a poster of him up on my wall. Law, wow. the wall of law. <laughs> no, um, here's my book of law. Just all these photos and posters. <laughs> Guess we'll study law later. Yeah, just looking so, at pictures. It's of this a guy. euphemism. I'm gonna go to my room and study the law. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> Yeah, the pages get stuck together. Oh, <laughs> good lord. Anyways, uh, <laughs> continuing on with my recap. Uh, the station wagon quickly, predictably, runs out of gas because they told them that. They're all angry and they decide to walk to town. They end up getting to town kind of on the outskirts in this gasoline or gas station uh, in at the post office. And so they kind of go inside. There's a, there's a car outside. They go inside. They kind of bind up the postmistress and hang her on the wall in a chair and then steal her car. But it's, all, I don't know, like, it sounds malicious, but it, it doesn't start out that way. No. But it just, it has to unfold that. Well, I don't know why they <laughs> hung her on the wall like that. But Comedy. They, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she is, before she's, you know, hung on the wall like that, she's calls the um, telephone switchboard operator to let them know the Russians had got her. So this kind of rouses everyone in town, including we've got uh, well, the not, sheriff. Not right away. The sheriff doesn't really care. No, no, he like, doesn't care. But garbage. He, he's called and he has to kind of like very slowly be like, okay, we got to figure out what's going on because we got this call about this thing that's probably nothing. Don't worry about it or whatever. So it's him and his deputy. And the deputy has this whole scene of him kind of getting roused. And he's got all these kids, like a million kids. And then this wife. Who keeps on talking about like, what do we do? What do we do if the Russians are here? What do we do? What happens if they rape? What happens if they're here to rape? Yeah, he did say and he's rape, like, didn't they? Yeah, and then he's like, you would run away. <laughs> and she's like, okay. He's like, but to where? She's like, kind of this like- I was really waiting for a funny yeah. response. I thought so too. Yeah. He just thought, like look at her and be like, really? Yeah. I was going to say, that's what I thought was going to happen, but then they didn't do it. I know. Yeah. Come on. It was there for, for the waiting. It was. And so, yeah. So- uh they try to – they start to kind of very slowly turn things up. But because the postmistress eventually gets freed, she starts to let everyone know outside of the law that something's going on. So and all people the were trying to contact her, but the Russians yeah. did cut the phone lines. Yeah. And so everyone is roused and they start to like become this riotous group of militia Um screaming about these Russians and how they're invading. And they're convinced that they were paratroopers and arrived by boat as well. Mm-hmm. So they're like kind of everywhere on this island. But something we didn't mention is that while that nanny was on the way to the house, mm-hmm. 
Walt and the family did attack the Russian guy yes, yeah. and got his gun away from him. Yep. And then he freaked out and ran outside. Ran into the dunes. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Walt, I don't know, it's really funny when he's handling the gun because you can tell he just has no experience. He's just like literally pointing the gun. It seemed at, like he was going to shoot his child. Was yeah. Like, he's just like pointing the, the funny, gun like right I mean, do you at think, his Did the they plan thing? the whole thing with the, with the window curtain? I mean, it just seemed like such a struggle. <laughs> For a long time, like the entire sequence of him getting the gun from the guy, he just kept, he was so pissed off at that window curtain. Well, dude, some of the stuff was so funny that they took a long time. Like, remember when they were trying to get the keys from the, from Eve Marie Saint and they were just like, they with the purse? purse? Yeah, that was like a minute straight of just, like, what like, the ah. hell was the point of that? But I laughed. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I laughed too. It's so funny. It's a, it's a different era of comedy. It is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're not wrong. And so, people lose yeah, so, purses all well, the time. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, so when he when he runs into the dunes, the Russian Walt jumps on a bike and decides he's gonna hoof, he's gonna go into town. And this is and where he gives Eve Marie Saint permission to strike his child. Yes, I love yeah. that line. Yeah, because <laughs> the the kids keeps on calling him a traitor for helping out the Russians, <laughs> at least trying to not. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to shoot him right in the head. Right, right. he doesn't want to kill the Russians. He kind of like understands that the Russians, because the Russians explain like we we went up on the beach and we're afraid to get a missile. And he's like, oh, you just you did what any like a whole bunch of people do, which is run your boat aground. Like you mm-hmm. just want to get your boat off of there and then move on your way. And so he doesn't see like how this should be like some crazy war starting thing. They made a mistake. But don't worry, man, because it will be. So the kid, but the kid obviously is seeing it different because he's a patriot. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 sure. I loved it. He's the Patriot. He, I mean, that's actually Mel Gibson, right? Starring Mel Gibson. Well, that's young Mel Gibson. I thought. Oh wow. Um. So, anyways, I don't even know that everything is kind of crazy at this point in terms of what happens when the Russians kind of end up in the below, like a uh, a clothing store, right? Kind of. It's like a place with all kinds of mannequins and stuff. They they are oh, yeah. they they start to get concerned that this all these people are out and about. They're hoping to do this thing or get the boat without anyone really realizing, but all these people have been roused by the postmistress. So they're out and about kind of screaming about Russians and they're like, What the fuck? So they run into this church and they can see the boat they want, which is this big like kind of luxury cruiser. Yep. And like this is what we're gonna get our thing off, but they can't get to it because everyone's in front of it. Like shit. So they're kind of stuck. And then when Walt comes in, uh that he starts to try to rouse people, and at that point, the sheriff. Well, he's trying. Deputy, he's trying to calm them down, right? Because the sheriff and the deputy have gotten downtown, and they and they've really like, got everybody like, fired up. They're like, everyone, calm down. And there's a there's like an old World War II veteran who sucks. Worst, I hated him so much, but he was like trying to lead everything. I'm the leader. I'm the leader. He's got the sword. He's like looks like an idiot. Anyways, he is like. I'm I'm in charge and they landed at the airfield. And so the sheriff's like, well, I'm going to go over there. You guys like, don't do anything stupid. We're heading over there. Like, well, we're also heading over there. So everyone heads off to the airfield, except for the deputy and like a group of people who are supposed to guard the harbor. But then because everyone's downtown, the bar opens up. And so everyone goes into the bar and they're just getting shit faced. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that actually definitely sounds- Natural progression, actually. That certainly sounds like an island off the coast of Massachusetts. Well, yeah. And um, I mean, this is how a mob starts. Right. <laughs> so then they find like a drunk person who's like just like- Oh, he is hammer. This yeah. might be my favorite guy in the whole movie. So they find him and he's super like in the way. So the deputy sends him off to warn- people on the other side of the island to get his horse. And this becomes like kind of a running gag of this guy trying to get his horse mm-hmm. to 
to go over to the other side of the island. Yeah. Because the other people don't have phones over there yeah. and they have no idea that the Russians have landed. Yeah. It's a very Monty Python-esque type thing where every mm-hmm. every few minutes or so, they'll jump back and have only like a five second thing where he's running after a horse. <laughs> he's falling down in a field. Yeah. It's, it's so, great. So Walt makes his way downtown and he goes and is like, there's these Russians, there's these Russians, like whatever. And everyone gets super riled up by this. But he's trying to tell them that it's not as bad as they think it is because they keep on talking about it. it's Now it's a boat and they've like paratrooped. And he's like, what paratroopers? What are you talking about? But the Russians see him and mm-hmm. realize, oh, he's this guy escaped that he's not in his house or whatever. And they grab, they snatch him. Oh, yeah. And they, they pull him into this. <laughs> they snatch kind of, him. Yeah, they snatch him. And <laughs> Funny word. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Would you say it's on par with 69 in terms of words versus numbers? No. No, 69 is better, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh and so they're they're kind of being they're they're in the bottom of this thing and he's he's like they're trying to figure out what to do. And he's like, "Well, upstairs is the um the telephone switchboard operator just right upstairs." And they're like, "Oh shit." And so because he's saying like that's how everything's being warned or whatever. So they go up and they tie him up with the switchboard operator and kind of put put them both to the side. So now there's no communication or anything going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, what else is going on? Alexei. So during this during this point, also the Russian that Walt scared off. Yeah, he comes is, back. Yeah, he's, exactly. yeah, he's trying yeah. to get back in and steal his gun. And then that's when he meets the new young nanny, and he is smitten right and they begin falling in love right yeah so they have this whole thing on the beach with a kid it's almost like they've they've got their own little immediate family right they have this whole american dream and little family already in place like they have a little they have a child that they take care of together they're walking along the beach it's like sunset like it's like this beautiful scenario and he's like i just want to live my life and be like free and happy and she's like i also want to live my life and be free and happy come on and they're like oh my god even though i'm russian and you're american we both want to live our life and be free and happy and then they smooch like a whole bunch oh and yeah and there's like they get totally naked and now, then they wait, have, wait 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 what? jamie for our younger listeners what does smooch mean smooch means that they totally 69 and <laughs> we see it all explicitly there you go younger viewers or listeners yeah. listeners yeah. Wow. So don't worry about it. In this a is... uh, best picture nominated film. Yeah. Little known fact: this is actually the only X-rated best picture nominee. Ever. Great. Mm-hmm. There went my fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah. So the Russians have concocted a plan where they're going to uh, dress up like uh, Americans, basically, because they're in a dry cleaners. Like that's where they are. Mm. And oh, it, and they're practicing their English. It's pretty it's, funny. It's horrible. Yeah. So they, they, they basically are terrible at English. And they're basically what the idea is they're gonna if they see any Americans, they're gonna tell them to go inside to be safe. And but it sounds ridiculous. They sound like cartoon characters. Mm. And so a bunch of them go out in these American clothes. Uh and the idea is they're gonna shoot guns on the outskirts of town. Everyone will run away and then they're gonna steal the boat. So they yep. do this. They go out, they see some people, they scare them because they're like oh, oh stereotypical oh, Russians. Scary Russians. Yep. Shoot their guns, everyone's away, and a bunch of the Russians jump on the luxury cruiser and 
uh, go away other than Alan Arkin who stays behind. He's yeah, gonna, he's going to go back to the sub. He's going to, he feels responsible for the young guy. So he's going to go back to the Whitakers and then make sure he's okay. And then they'll go back to the sub. Ooh, but things get a little dicey for get, old Alan, don't they? They get real dicey. So anyway, we see the luxury cruiser. They pick up the people who shot their guns and they go off. So all the Russians are out of the picture on this luxury cruiser at the moment other than Alan Arkin and the young guy. Um, in the meantime, Walt frees himself from being trapped with the um, telephone oper- switchboard operator. Mm-hmm. He kind of like, th- they try to move their way because they're all tied. They're, she's t- he's tied together with this like old lady. And they try to move their way out of the place. And eventually they fall down some stairs, but his family is able to see him because they've also yep. come into town. <laughs> yeah. So all these crazy things have happened. There's all sorts of yeah. insanity that's going on in this it's entire film. Of, yeah. Uh, and so he's freed uh, as well. So they decide, oh shit, like we got to go back home because- our youngest daughter is there in the- <laughs> Oh, young, we just left her. Yeah, we left her. And the young Russian, I was told by Alan Arkin's character, like, is not a coward and will come back. So he's right. probably there right now with them. So they start heading back as well. They steal a car and mm. they, uh, they head back as well. But so, anyway, he Alan Arkin shows up at yeah. the house and Walt is furious because mm-hmm. they're, is their kid missing? Well, so he can't find the kid at all. Yeah. Can't find the kid. He's out down the beach. They're having the American dream. Yeah. yeah. And so he even takes a gun and he starts shooting yeah. at Alan Arkin. It's pretty crazy. I thought he killed him for a second. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then it turned out he didn't. Also, uh-huh. also at this time, just to mention, everyone had went to the airport to see if any Russians had been there and get a long interaction with a guy who was like fixing a plane. Yeah. It's actually a really famous actor. Or do you have you ever seen him in anything? Guy who was fixing maybe, the plane. Maybe, but I don't recognize him. Here. He was in Bonnie and Clyde, which is like one of the greatest films ever made. He was the kind of the third wheel of that group. So it's Bonnie oh, and really? Clyde, and then he's kind of like this. Daryl? Is that his name in this I movie? I have no idea. Oh. That's, it almost <laughs> sounds right. That might be right. <laughs> you might have guessed it. Uh, but anyways, he's like kind of a famous actor for that because he was, you know, he's got kind of this face that looks, I don't know, what would you describe his face as? Kind of like a potato face. I don't know. It's like it's like a, just like a regular just like dumb dumb face, yeah, yeah, kind of. Anyways, so he he has a funny very, though. He has a very distinctive face, and and he was a famous actor from Bonnie and Clyde. Hmm. Daryl, Daryl, old Daryl, good old Daryl, and so they've all they're also heading back into town at this point. But meanwhile, yeah. The Russian submarine had freed itself. Just by itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were able to get <laughs> they, off the sandbar. They had, they had worked a bunch and they got it off the sandbar. So at this point, like nothing would have, like, if they just stayed in the boat and just worked at freeing it, everything would have been fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, everybody's panicking and all of a sudden this giant Russian submarine just pulls into the harbor. Yeah. because people start freaking out so a lot pissed. more. So he's pissed. He's assumed at this point that his- The captain. Yeah, the captain of the Russian submarine, because no one came back, assumes that everyone has been captured by right. the Americans. By these townspeople on the so island. So since he's got the submarine free, he pulls it into harbor to basically threaten them to be Oh, like, he says, I'm going to blow this whole town up in about two minutes- and then we get oh, a little quick By the way, I, just, I do want to mention, Wikipedia yeah. says they didn't free it themselves. It freed itself. They they thought they freed it. It actually was just the tide rising. It's like, I came off the sound <laughs> of timber. That's what it says on Wikipedia. pretty funny. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did not mention that at all. But, uh, yeah, I didn't. It seemed like they were working at it, right? Yeah. But they're saying it's just the tide came up. So they, That's they funny. That, out. <laughs> that makes it even funnier. That is funnier. Uh, so two kids want to see the action that's going on with the uh, submarine. So they climb up a bell tower. Yep. Ooh. Gotta hurry, guys. Yeah, we're right about there. 
And they climb up a bell tower to get a better view. And there's just a really big standoff going on between the sub captain and the, all the townspeople, the, the whole the militia. Really, it's a sheriff. And then Alan Arkin's <laughs> kind of translating because he's kind of in between. He he actually has come to kind of like the Americans. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of like translating in between. Yeah. And so the uh, sheriff is going to arrest the captain, he says. <laughs> You're yeah. under arrest. What's your address? Yeah. So everything like that matters. And everything gets to a huge peak until the kids or one of the kids kind of breaks through the um, balcony of this like tower and mm-hmm. falls and, and gets hooked on the edge. So he's kind of hanging many, many feet above the ground and would yeah. obviously die if he fell. And so everyone's freaking out. They're like, yeah. holy shit. Like, let's put our differences aside and form a giant human pyramid and get that kid. And the kids and the the captain's like, will my dick help? And everyone's like, no, put that away. That's not time for this. It's time for teamwork. And so they all work together. They create a human pyramid. And the young Russian, realizing his American dream, becomes the the hero as he climbs all the way up. Yeah. He's like, you want to kiss that woman again? I've got to climb all these people and risk my life. Yeah. So he goes up. He snatches that kid, snatch, hear it, uh, from the hook and then brings it all the way down. And everyone's like, fuck yeah, Russia's good. America's good. We're both good. High fives all around. They high five a bunch. The two people smooch. But then the militia guy who's a dick and sucks comes back and is like, I informed the military. Hooray. And everyone's like, fuck you, old man. Get out of here. Yeah. They're like, well, they're going to come and bomb the shit out of this sub. Yeah. So they're like, oh man, I guess that sub's going to get destroyed unless and they come up with a plan. This is when Eva Marie Saint comes up with the plan. Right. And then she's like, we could just escort them. If we all go out with boats, will they really blow up all of us to blow up the submarine? If this was if this was Das Boot, the answer is yes. Yeah. And also if this was real life, it probably would have been probably yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, what's wrong with all those people? Yeah. They probably would have been like, those people are being held hostage. <laughs> they are probably want to die yeah. in the sake of America. And then they would have blown them all up. Great. Right. And so they start taking the submarine out and we get some pretty nice scenes of the Air Force flying over a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. And they're basically like, we don't know what's going on. And we're heading back to base because look at all those people escorting that sub. And so <laughs> it reminded they me, let, like when yeah. they're in the jets there, what, what do they say? Like, what's their last thing they said? It reminded me of like the ending of Burn After Reading there. They were just like, so what? Well, let's just go back to base. We'll figure it all out later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably hear what's going on later. Like yeah. there's obviously a sub and like 150 people they said were escorting the sub and like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then the the octopus, which is the name of the submarine, goes off and is able to dive and get to safety. And, and then, finally, the drunk guy from the bar yeah. gets his horse and he's ridden to the other side this of town. Great, and the horse rears up and he screams. What's he scream, guys? The Russians, the Russians are, coming. are coming. The Russians, the Russians are, coming. are coming. Crucify and him. Credits. <laughs> Crucify. <laughs> Probably the best ending the movie could have possibly have had. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was nuts. It was yeah, a it was. nuts movie, nuts ending, nuts everything. Nuts everything. Everything. That's nuts. a lot of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty wacky. My wife said she never saw that film. Which Which's film? Egg? Oh, Kung Pao. Did you Kung divorce Pao. her on the spot? Uh, yeah, I've got the papers drawn up. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> Irreconcilable differences. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot reconcile them. Oh, my word. You made her watch it, right, Kyle? 
This was just the other day I found uh, out. How made, you, you guys been her. married this long? I don't know. I think that's uh, how have I not made her watch it? <laughs> My wife has one hundred percent not watched Confound. I can guarantee you that she will not be watching that. <laughs> All right, let's get into some ratings here, boys. Who wants to go first? I do not. Make Alex go. I'll give it a nine and a half. I thought it was really funny. (laughs) Obviously, I like these old movies. I think you guys all know that. And this kind of comedy is right up my alley. I was laughing the entire time. It's just some of the small, subtle things in there that also made me laugh. Uh, Like uh, when Carl Reiner's character was trying to get Alan Arkin's character. And they asked for his name. And he goes, was it Whitman? Walt. And he's like, all right. Because he was trying to go for like Walt Whitman. But he's trying to say it weird. And then – Later on, the girl tries to say her name and she says it the correct way. And I don't know. It's just all funny. Stuff like that. Little stuff like that. I think you guys alluded to before where he tried taking the toast out with the fork. Oh, it man. Was just, it's so funny. There was just like little subtle stuff thrown out throughout the whole movie that just really made me laugh. Uh, so I thought it was really funny. Yeah. I also like my dad watches a lot when I was growing up. So this is not my first time seeing it. I've seen it a lot. And. Uh, I really like it, and I don't mind watching it again, and I recommend everyone to watch it. So, yep, I like Listen it. Listen to that. It's a glowing review. I'll go, I can go next. Because I will say, I think this was another one that my dad had mentioned as being one of his – on his list of favorite ones. Um, but I had never seen it before. Um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I – Actually, I was a little surprised. I, I, after watching it, I was like, there's really interesting things going on story-wise in this, especially with him being like a comedy writer and like lamenting not being able to make like a second act to his play but all, and all these things happening and him continuing to say it as if he's not realizing that this is – comedy is happening all around him. He's kind of just like this guy who's like, I can't – I can't think of what – what can I possibly write about? And then there's like all this shit that's like super crazy happening everywhere that he goes. Um, and so there's stuff like that. And then the American little, the American dream stuff with the young Russian that I just thought was really interesting and really fun to watch. And I thought the filmmaking was really good in in that regard. Um, it's just a different era. So it's hard. It's not as, I don't know. It's, it's not necessarily something that I would have thought, Hey, this one best, or this was nominated for best picture or, Hey, this is a super duper tip top. Uh, of the field of filmmaking or whatever it's just not something that struck me as that when i watched it it was only after that i realized oh wait this was nominated for best picture oh wait this is really well regarded but my inkling was that that wasn't the case so i couldn't i couldn't retrospectively go back and be like oh actually it's a 10 oh it's a 10 because it was everyone i was like no in my mind i had to set about a seven and a half i liked it it didn't necessarily strike me as like super duper great i thought it was funny i thought it was really interesting filmmaking stuff but that was about it seven and mm. five, seven and a half yeah all right yeah <laughs> All right, I'll jump in and do this. This is Zach. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So This is Zach, and this is my review. <laughs> I, this is Zach, and this is my review the, for the, the film. movie that we watched. This was a movie. The, uh, the Russians um, are coming. The Russians are coming. Um, <laughs> um, I like the movie. Okay, so I know in the past, I've always been like, yeah, these old movies, man, man, you know, you know, limp it. But this movie's great. <laughs> yeah, you were like, this, yeah, limp it sucks, right? Old movie. <laughs> this movie was hysterical. This movie cracked me up. It, it, was, it was it was long, what, two 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 hours and five minutes. But it, it so but it was good. You know, I started watching at the gym. I came home, had a glass of wine, made some chips and salsa, watched the rest of it. It was good stuff. Loved it. Loved everything about it. The subtle jokes, like I'll say one that was not mentioned in the recap at the end when like the captain and 
the other main Russian guy are standing there and he like does the slow fist bump to his chest. And then the other guy does like an awkward slow fist bump to his shoulder. It's just stupid, but it was funny. I loved it. <laughs> just like little stuff like that. Awkward glances, the little baby like smiling at the captain and the captain gets all giddy like he's a weird pedophile. It was hilarious. So it's <laughs> great. So that's what they were going for. I mean, that's what I thought they were going for, but um no, it was a great movie. I'm gonna give it a nine. Wow. So I, I, I can't believe so I'm gonna come out. Coming like, out I, of left field. I love I love old movies. I can't believe I'm gonna come out low, like the lowest of this movie. But, <sighs> it says a lot of match, doesn't it? But <laughs> you know, it uh I liked it. It was funny. Kept my attention. Goofy. And there it is, guys. Uh, All right. There it is. There you go. Great. Oh, my word. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to hear us laugh. Okay, who's next? All right. Okay. I will. I'll go. I'll leave our El Capitan uh, to bring up the behind. This uh, this film. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. No, uh, was a <laughs> uh, channeling my inner Zach. This uh, reminded me a bit, you know, kind of of Operation Petticoat. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the feel. Uh, Alan Arkin kind of draw the similarities with. Uh, you know, maybe Tony Curtis and toward yeah. t- terms of uh, comedic chops, but you can definitely see the evolution of comedy a little bit here. And you really can feel it starting to uh, move towards, you know, stuff that you were starting to see in like the Monty Python movies and even like National Lampoon's movies. Obviously, this wasn't nearly as raunchy as, as those, but you can definitely see it and it, you can feel the comedy a little more contemporary. It's definitely. Uh, wacky as they get into the hijinks on this uh, little uh, New England island. And it was much more enjoyable for me, I felt, than uh, Operation Petticoat. I know Jamie really liked that one, but I'm going to give this one uh, a nod over over that. Um, just it, it, uh, it felt, again, it felt more contemporary and kept my attention. And uh, you guys have already covered a lot of the, the, the funny scenes. Uh, definitely resonated with me as well. I'm going to give this a seven. Wow. All righty. Um, so when you say it's less raunchy, you mean besides the full 69? The full 69 scene, scene definitely uh, pushes it towards nat- National Lampoons, but right. uh, I feel like that was just an outlier, and mm. uh, the rest of the film wasn't as raunchy. I, I do Someone like call it a tasteful scene. I was it was say, tasteful. It's necessary to the narrative because it's, it's it's kind of telling what America has to offer. And they're just so attractive. Right? I think when they're that attractive, it, it becomes art. <laughs> Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost like you're just studying law. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, this film that is a movie that uh, is a motion picture. That's true. Uh, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. <laughs> I love <laughs> this type of humor. And they love came. It. <laughs> Great. Uh, the subtleness, like we've mentioned before, I love that type of stuff. I especially love the drunk guy who's trying to get the horse, those little cutover scenes. We literally see a guy chasing a horse in a field, and he just face plants, and then it cuts back over to what's actually going on. You can also see how this could happen. I mean, people with a, in a frightened or a, like a heightened state of tension, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this is it. 
and people take up arms. People are panicking and they want to be on the right side of history. So we're going to stop these Russians. It's crazy, but it's, it's great. It's, uh, 8.25. Wow. Very nice. 8.69. That's what you said, right? I wish I did, okay. but I didn't. Six points. Six point nine point six nine. Perfect. Double point there. Wow. Um, we take two weeks off and we uh, really devolve, don't we? We do. <laughs> Very primal. All right. So let's let's get into some trivia. Uh, so according to Norman Jewison, that's the director. Well, can you say that? I can. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm allowed to. A release at the height of the Cold War had considerable impact in both Washington and Moscow. It was one of the few American films at the time to portray the Russians in a positive light. Senator Ernest Gruning mentioned the film in a speech in Congress, and a copy of it was screened in the Kremlin. According to Jewison, uh, when screened at the Soviet Film Writers Union, Sergei Bondarchuk, whoever that is, was moved to tears. Seriously? <laughs> yep. It was not, as we said... From laughing, exactly. Okay. I'd hope uh, so. <laughs> He's like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't let all those people live? Are you kidding me? Well, I'm trying to think if I actually mentioned this as a as an actual trivia or not, but the the ending where all the, the Russians and Americans all work together to save a kid was actually something that was ended up using later in a different film called The Iron Giant, where the Iron Giant does exactly the same things. Two kids go up to a balcony to watch what's happening with the Iron Giant. One of them crashes through the railing, ends up hanging from a thing, Iron Giant comes and saves him, and that's how he kind of endears himself to the community at that oh, point. So they, they used Vin. it was basically a reference to this film and similar to the kind of reception that scene had in the in America and Russia. How many times have we brought up that movie during this podcast? It's a lot because there's a submarine in it. I was going to say, I have not even thought like twice about that movie since I've first seen it years ago so it was nominated this film was nominated for four academy awards best editing best actor best adaptive screenplay and best picture as you mentioned it did not win any of them it lost to i uh, lost all the major ones to a man for all seasons a man for all seasons about hmm. thomas moore hmm. never heard of lame. it mm. it's super lame Although it was set in the fictional Gloucester island off the coast of massachusetts the movie was filmed on the coast of northern california Mainly in Mendocino. The harbor scenes were filmed in uh, Noya Harbor in Fort Bragg, California, about seven miles north of Mendocino. Basically, the filming uh, was filmed on the West Coast. So uh, when they had the dawn scene, when it was dawn in on the East Coast, they're supposed to be, they just filmed that at dusk and then put a filter over it. Say it isn't so. It's true. The submarine was a fabrication. The U.S. Navy refused to loan one for the film. So they built a submarine and uh, ended up making uh, something. So it actually broke at one point during filming. So you can see a part where it, two pieces of it where they mended it kind of moved independently of each other at the final scene. Also, it was loaned out to be used in 1965's Moraturi, a film called Moraturi. So that's another one we could put on our list because apparently Ooh. this submarine, this mock, mock submarine isn't that one. I don't know. Uh, all the Russian characters were played by American actors. Uh, however, Arkin was raised in a Russian Jewish household and could speak the language fluently. So he actually was speaking Russian and apparently his accent was good, but it just sounded like he was doing improvisation, like a co comedy thing. <laughs> Bickle, who we've seen before, he was actually- Wait, Stickle? Stickle. <laughs> uh, he Great was, throwback. Uh, so Bikel was he was he was uh, the XO in Enemy Below. If you didn't recognize him, the captain in this one was uh -huh. the second in command there. The guy who almost died or did die in the end, but was rescued or whatever. 
Um, and he was from uh, Austria, so he was also proficient. And other actors did surprisingly well. Interestingly, Brian Keith, who played the uh, sheriff, who in the end was getting translated, he actually spoke fluent Russian, but didn't in this film. He's done it in other films. Seriously? Mm-hmm. So this is another one, this little, little thing for Brahm. Remember when you did a countdown where you talked about uh, a talking uh, cast? Yeah. Or it was about a talking cat, but it was every minute from this terrible movie called A Talking Cat? Yes. So the star of that is Johnny Whitaker. And that was uh, that was my first countdown, I think. My first formal one that was on the on the podcast. It could have been. So he was a famous uh, child star uh, from that time. So he was a kid who fell through the balcony was hanging, right? He was the main character of A Talking Cat. Wow. So that kid. Yeah, he grew up to become a Talking Cat main character. Wow. He didn't voice, do come true. He did not voice the cat. Wasn't that Kevin Spacey? No, that was Eric Roberts, the brother of Julia Roberts. That's real. Oh, really? Yeah. And so anyways, Johnny Whitaker, the kid uh, at the time, uh, not anymore, obviously, uh, so impressed Brian Keith, the sheriff, that when TV's Family Affair in 1966, that's what he, that's what made Johnny Whitaker famous, uh, when uh, that came up to be cast and Brian Keith was going to be the main character, he said, this kid that I just worked on and the Russians are coming, Russian coming is great, let's bring him in. And he ended up, that's how he became famous, was the, one of the characters on Seriously? Family Affair. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yep. Okay, finally, the director, Norman Jewison, was nominated five times for Best Director and twice for Best Picture as producer of different, different films. So, casting What If, which actors from his other Best Director nominated projects would have done well here? So, he directed In the Heat of the Night, 1968, Sidney Poitier. We just saw Yes, he was just in the Bedford incident. He was. I could see him being Walt. Yeah, he would have been good as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also the sheriff would have been good. About. Do you think so? I think so. Uh, I don't know. Because he was kind of like in charge. It's pretty good. Kind of, but the, the sheriff kind of had that like- What about the young Russian? I don't care. <laughs> the, the hot Russian. Russian. Hot Russian. Oh, law. Yeah. Law. <laughs> no, the only guy who can be law is probably Dolph Lundgren. Probably. What about Paul Michael Glazer? So he's from Fiddler in the Roof, 1972. That was another one. He was nominated for Best Director. Paul Michael Glazer played Starsky in Starsky and Hutch. That's how you'd know him. I knew you wouldn't know the name, or no one would really. Oh, you mean uh, Ben Stiller? Yeah, so he's basically a Ben Stiller, but before. Be careful. Oh, okay. We don't want to step on any more Zach facts. Right. Uh, um, I I literally can't even picture him. He's one of the anonymous Russians, then? Yeah. Or maybe the bumbling sheriff? That'd be fine. Or deputy, the deputy, I should say. What about Denzel Washington, A Soldier Story, 1984? You ever seen that film, A Soldier Story? I have not. It's good. You should watch it. Now, Denzel is like awesome. Sure, and I, think, I don't know. I mean, he has such a commanding presence. I don't know who I would want I to I think it'd be, be funny this. to make him the Russian captain. That would be good. That would be pretty <laughs> funny. I mean, I think the sheriff, I think Russian captain. I think uh, the drunk chasing a horse. <laughs> it's just Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just a waste of talent. <laughs> so he also directed Moonstruck in 1987. So there's two actors in there that are pretty famous. Oh, yeah. Do you know, do you know what Moonstruck? Who's in Moonstruck? Uh, that's a little bit of Cher and Nick Cage, if I'm correct. That's right. Cher and Nick Cage. So who does Cher play and who does Nick Cage play? Well, obviously, I'd want Cher to be even Marie Saint. Yes. And then uh, 
Walt is going to be Nick Cage. Yes, exactly. They made two main people. But uh, <laughs> he actually, they actually would fit pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And Nick Cage could be pretty great as uh, in the Alan Arkin role. Yeah. Yes, he would have been. Yeah, yeah. He really needs to choose some scenery. All right. And then finally, Ed Harris, he was in a movie called Inside Heat directed in 2025, actually, in the future. Wow. Uh, so he'll get nominated for Best pick, best Director in 2025 for Inside Heat. He plays a firefighter slash baseball player who saves the world from an asteroid being pulled towards Earth by the gravity shield we've created to battle global warming. What do you think? Wow. Uh, sounds a little similar to Geostorm. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> not, sim- not similar to Geostorm. Uh. Not similar. No, not similar at all. Uh, uh, the veteran. Oh, Ed Harris oh. can rile up some people. Just I think that's right, especially when he like crazed when he flexes his muscles and his shirt pops off. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "I'm following him." I don't know about you, Sheriff Denzel Washington. That guy over there. I thought Denzel was the drunk guy, or the guy who's working on the airplane. Oh, okay. Well, that'd be great. Too. Like turn this into an actual like like serious like thriller. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great remake to think about how you'd make this into serious thriller. <laughs> I guess that's kind of just like Red Dawn, right? Ed Harris would totally be a great, like, haggard veteran. Yeah. And, but, like, I mean, people could... rally around him. You can cut the tension with a knife. Oh, yeah, you could. With the, with the way this comedy is done, you wouldn't need to do a whole lot to turn it into a serious movie. No. Yeah, you wouldn't. You just take out some of the goofy scenes and you're like, all right, I guess we're in it. I do feel like that was like a trait of comedies of older films where the storylines themselves weren't so ridiculous. It's not like Anchorman yeah. where you're like, it's a bunch of super world famous anchormen. It's like, no, nah, it's not that. It's it's actually like a serious real plot that yeah. you have to kind of deal with. Yeah. All right. So Phantom Zone, we can do this real quick. We don't have to go too into depth because we've actually used this before. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. As I said, Theodore Bacal was in both In Enemy Hands and this one. Or sorry, Enemy Below, not Enemy Hands. Jesus Christ, wow. that'd be crazy. He'd be like an old man. I think he was dead by then. Uh, Jeez. No, Enemy Below and then this one. So we've used it before. I actually used John Philip Law, the sexiest. Um, you may actually replace that Harris. Blasphemy, sorry. Um <laughs> And we used him because he went to attack, if you remember, Attack Force Z starring Mel Gibson and Sam Neill. And then Sam Neill was in Hunt for Red October. And we've used that a whole bunch of times to go forwards. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It's unreal how easy it is to link any submarine movie back to Ed Harris and Phantom. It's super easy. Okay. I don't say that. I would say, all right, it's time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say okay. It's it's sub sub sub. World, world, wide, 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 wide. We're in the second week of Cold War Movie Month, and I wanted to do a Russian submarine because a Russian submarine crashed into the shores of that island that I can't remember the name of. And Gloucester. I, what is it called? Gloucester. Gloucester. So I went with the Russian Oscar class submarine. It was built from 1975. Oh, that's to- a good one. Did you pick that because it was it was nominated for Oscars? I also did think about that as okay. well. Uh, so this was built from 1975 to 1996, and it's actually still in service. And these were actually they were put into service in 1981. So they're relatively older, but the reason that they're still in service is because of the collapse of the Soviet Union and the financial struggles. So they just decided. 
while they were recycling or scrapping some of the old ones, they decided to keep these. And they're actually pretty, uh, they're pretty good. There were 20 of them planned. 13 were completed. Uh, six are active. Two are currently undergoing modernization. One was lost, and that's a pretty famous one. And four oh, have been is that retired. Cursed? Is that cursed? Yes. Wow. Cursed. Yes, it's an Oscar class. So when this uh, went into service, it was the largest cruise missile sub until the United States Ohio class was converted to carry cruise missiles. So it's still currently the fourth largest submarine or cruise missile sub behind the Ohio, the Russian Borai. I'm sure that's not how you say it. And then the infamous Typhoon. Mm-hmm. So specs on this thing. It is 508 feet, six Whoa. inches long. Wow. Got to get that extra six inches. Oh, yeah. You that's, have to. That's what she said. It has two nuclear reactors, uh, water-cooled reactors, two steam turbines that are able to generate 97,999 horsepower. It's quite a bit. While it's on the surface, it can cruise along at 15 knots. Good. Submerged 32. Solid, really solid. Yeah. It. This is what surprised me. It only has an endurance of 120 days. You want to you want to be out and about for longer than that. Well, I'm not saying I would personally, but you know, in case there were ever a situation that arose, if they said you have an opportunity to be on a 120 day cruise, what's the answer? Uh, duh. Okay. Yeah. You will not see the sun. You will not come back all tan, and you certainly <laughs> won't get the free drinks like most people do. Other than the tanning booth we got. Yeah. You know, like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Great. It seems like a waste, but all right. <laughs> No, we just put you in the nuclear reactor, uh, crisp up real quick. Uh, so test depth, this thing can go down to 1,706 feet. Don't try for 1707. No, that'd be just downright dangerous. So for the weapons, it says four 21 inch torpedo tubes in the bow. Don't worry. It wasn't enough. They also wanted to add two 26 inch torpedo tubes. Perfect. Yeah. I don't. For me, I'm sure there's a reason for the 20, the 26 inches, but I'd probably try to keep them all the same so I'm not carrying all different types of torpedoes. Probably not, yeah. But what do I know? Uh, so, it can carry 28, 21-inch, and 26-inch weapons, including the SSN-15 Starfish, which is an anti-submarine missile. Terrible name. The nuclear warhead. Or it can hold 40 eh, anti-submarine torpedoes or 32 ground mines. It can also hold 24 P-700 Granite SSN-19 Shipwreck Cruise Missiles. Better name. I like that one. Uh, The cruise missiles are actually carried in slanted launch tubes on the front, which kind of gives it like a little bulkier look to it, and they can be fired while it's submerged. Targeting can be done either with a surface ship or satellites. Oh. So, these were originally designed to attack NATO, U.S., and U.S. carrier battle groups. Uh, during the Cold War. And like I mentioned, the Kursk was one of these. And while many of them were scrapped, I thought this was interesting because I hadn't seen it before. The K-173 caught fire while it was being scrapped. I don't know what and led to that. Oh, that's it. That's all I could find. <laughs> oh. So that's that, man. Alrighty. Subs worldwide. All right. Alex, you got some uh, sweet news for us? Not really. Not a lot going on in the sub world.
you guys think I was actually looking up news? Well, I wish there was more. Um, same old stuff, really. You know, future submarines arrive late, cost more. Um, still some secret. Some I do you secret, think that's a, that's a pretty classic storyline? Some uh, Chinese submarine, still very secret, supposed to be starting construction here in 2020. Everyone knows about it. Nothing new there. Uh, a tornado did strike a submarine base uh, nice. a day ago. Uh, Wait, where was the sub base at? Kings Bay, Naval Submarine Base Kings Bay. I don't even know where that's at. I guess I should have In the US? Done. Maybe. I don't know. Do you know where it's at? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. It's a little roller coaster park north of Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh. Oh. That do oh, it. Yeah. Uh, do Great. it. I'm sure they have a lot of subs there. The uh, That's right next to the island, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the island. <laughs> Uh, although, you know, it said only, uh, five people were injured and tossed three vehicles into the water. So, uh, you know, they did their job. They made sure they stay away. You know, a couple pictures of debris, nothing crazy. What were the vehicles? I don't know. It doesn't say. Probably a lawnmower. (laughs) A riding lawnmower? Yeah. Yeah, you can get OVI on that. Yeah, you sure can. I don't think you get an OVI in a sub, though. There's a cop trying to pull a sub over. Coast Guard. What about if the sub's on a trailer going down the interstate and you're drunk in it? The biggest thing that happened was a crane on a barge broke loose and fell. (laughs) Uh, Crane. It's combining a couple of your favorite things. It is. Um, Luckily, Coast Guard was able to, uh, to save that. So... Uh, did they did they need a, another crane to lift that crane up? <laughs> probably, so. Pro- probably two cranes. To be honest, crane with you. on crane action. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube video someplace. We'll get to the bottom of it. Crane on crane. Yeah. Uh, I did want to mention also. So uh, one of the former presidents of the United States passed away this week. Uh, George H. W. Bush. And one of his most famous things in war. So he's a, he was fought in World War II. And one of his most famous things that happened to him was that he was shot down in his plane. He landed in the water. Guess what he was rescued by? <gasps> submarine. He was. The USS Finback, a submarine. And so you can see videos of him getting pulled out of the ocean by a submarine. See, there's a little picture of it right there. Kyle. Oh, that's cool. Oh, there, there you go. There you go. He quipped at the time, I saw this thing coming out of the water. And I said to myself, geez, I hope that's one of ours. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. If anyone ever said it, like George H.W. Bush comedy. Yeah. That's what they associate with it. Let me go grab my GoPro and videotape it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, he got one of his highest honors as part of that whole thing, DFC. Wow. I mean, that would be your only thought, though, right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That better be one of ours. Pretty cool. All right, man. So, is that it for the news, Alex? I, I've got nothing else. So Dude, I would love I would love you on a news channel just doing <laughs> it like mu- that. You're really like, not much. Uh, you guys. guys already know what's going on. Like, sure. Got them out in like a windstorm. There is there is very little happening in the world of submarines. <laughs> <laughs> Last year it was going off, man. It was crazy, yeah. It was like it was destiny. All right. Uh oh. Um, Hello? Hark. We got we got Ben? Yeah. What do I hear? Hark, 
the herald angels sing. Don't date this. What? Don't date this You already podcast. did. Sorry, 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 did. sorry. Why? I, just, I, I, I about mean, H. W. people Bush. play yeah. freaking <laughs> Christmas it music year-round The uh, third night of Hanukkah, so there you this go. This isn't getting released until March, okay? <laughs> okay. My bad. Uh, I have a countdown for us, gentlemen. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. So as we know, uh, this film uh, followed the exploits of uh, some wacky Russians that uh, ran their their uh, U-boat or their uh, submarine aground on Gloucester Island uh, just to get a closer look at America. And uh, there's so many better places uh, they could have uh, got a, a a nicer taste of. Uh, of what America America is all about. Uh, instead, they go to Gloucester, which even our our main character uh, said it was uh, chilling him to the bone uh, in the middle of summer. So sounds like a real dumpster uh, island. So, so there, there, by, by the way, just to mention, there is a place in Massachusetts called Gloucester, and it was right. I was actually famous in the news not that long ago. So do they you got all the Woosters and all the Gloucesters. Wooster yeah. Street, Bowling Green, Ohio. But if you if you remember, there was a <laughs> scandal. There was a scandal at one point in a high school in Gloucester where there was a pregnancy pack. They actually made like a lifetime movie. I think about it. <gasps> Wait, pregnancy a pregnancy pack. pack. Yeah, where a bunch of high school students decided packed okay. all together that they were going to get pregnant. And they made like a movie about it, and that was in Gloucester. Is this Alec, the one wait, where somebody wait, played Alex, a homeless it, guy? When was no. wait, wait, wait? When was that, Jamie? What, what year was that? That would have been I don't know. It would have been like in two thousand. Well, how old's your kid now? Or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Alex, didn't you take a trip out there that that summer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, Rom. No, it's quite all right. So uh, my, my countdown this week is for any Russian submariners out there that want to get a glimpse of America in the modern day, these are the top five islands in America for you to uh, run your, uh, your uh, submarine aground. And these were voted uh, uh, Reader's Choice Awards on Conda Nast Traveler. Oh, wow. So yeah, no, Great. Martha's Vineyard isn't making that list, I don't think. Uh, let's see. Martha's Vineyard might have made the top ten. No. No. Uh, Nantucket uh, was number seven. Get out of here. Fuck Nantucket. That place is horrible. <laughs> Get out of here. For garbage people. Get uh, it was probably uh, voted by no. a lot of Nantucketers. Probably. Uh, <laughs> it is, again, it is It is reader's choice. Uh, so Nantucket, reader's choice, yeah, yeah. top Wolf. five. We're going to lead off with Oahu, Hawaii. This is the uh, the most visited Hawaiian island and home to Honolulu and Waikiki Beach. Uh, these each con- uh, contain a pro tip um, from Condé Nast. So uh, the pro tip for listeners and Russian submariners, if you want to visit Oahu, is to head to uh, Red Hot Chinatown for the cuisine and world-class chefs that you will find there. It's fitting because they, they chose the second best uh, Hawaiian island, so... It's the same thing with the Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. They chose the second best one. Well, maybe lost. number four, maybe they got the best one. Maui? Maybe. Nope. Oh. Uh, so there we go. They fill it up with garbage <laughs> Hawaiian Islands. Fine. All right. Well, you heard it from Jamie. Jamie uh, says these are these are dumpster islands like uh, Gloucester. 
<laughs> Shout out to Kawhi. <laughs> Kawhi. Oh, that was on one of the list. I was uh, doing some research. Uh, Kawhi so you should maybe was, pick that list. Yeah, Martha's Phoenix probably also is featured. Again, th- this is reader's choice, so they probably did some social media posts to get their own Islanders Dem- to vote. Democracy up. is dead. Yeah. It is. in the darkness. Uh, but Maui, second largest island in Hawaii and home to famous volcanic beaches, our pro tip here is to catch as much of Maui's natural beauty as possible. You got to drive the road to Hana, a 68 mile scenic route uh, featuring dramatic waterfalls and ending at the spectacular Seven Sacred Pools. So, take I'd note. Do that. Yeah, fine. I, I, I I'll allow it. <laughs> Kauai's better though. Number three, Kiawa. Not Kauai, Kiawa Island. This is in South Carolina, though. So we're going back mm-hmm. over to the Atlantic coast for this one. Uh, this is a luxurious barrier island that is great for golf, tennis, and respite next to the pool. Pro tip here Kiawa beaches are almost exclusively private, save for the critically acclaimed Kiawa Beachwalker Park, which is home mm-hmm. to sand as soft as talcum powder, but less mm-hmm. cancerous. So is that is that what it says in the uh, character? Uh, no, I might have added a little bit. Of, add a little, uh, a little, yeah. I won't say what um, I added. So wait, was that that you said South Carolina? This is South Carolina. I'm probably butchering it. It's Ki- Kiowa, Kiowa. I'm wondering if that was featured in the reality TV show Southern Charm, which is quite good. Uh, all right, we all, uh, we all watch it. So we, should, we probably know it. <laughs> So you if you guys need to know on uh, which Hawaiian island to go to and which uh, uh, reality TV, reality TV show. TV oh, I'm, shows I'm to way watch. up on reality TV. I only watch reality TV, actually. I don't watch any narrative TV. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. <laughs> we have uh, nothing to say. <laughs> Number two is Amelia Island in Florida. This cultural melting pot has <laughs> French, Spanish, and Mexican roots and great food as a result. Somebody farted on that one. Well, it's Florida. Oh. Uh, pro tip here, venture this way in October, a little out of season, but you get to experience the Amelia Island Jazz Festival. Oh, nice. That'd be um, pretty cool. You said that wrong. Also, it's, um, yes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Stop, Jay. Uh, number one, this is, this is, I mean, it's not like it's, uh, Myrtle Beach or anything like that, but this is pretty mainstream. Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Oh, that's the one. That's the one in Southern Charm. Hilton Head. Ah. Uh, this getaway is the described, from there. It's described as otherworldly, featuring 12 miles of pristine beaches and top-notch cuisine. I mean, come on now. Let's bring it a they little bit just, back to earth here. But, yeah, they uh, mostly I'll, just got drunk on the island. That's what I remember <laughs> from the show. Uh, there was no real good pro tip here, so I'll give you one from myself. We used to go here a lot when I was a kid, and uh, I had a lot of fun feeding the alligators at the shipyard, uh, which was a resort uh, there. So, that's awesome. That's pretty fun. Oh, good. That's probably always number one. Uh, I did vote a few hundred times. I, I spammed that refresh <laughs> for Hilton Head. But you were like, there, it Nantucket, Nantucket, Nantucket. there it is. There it is. Man, I was, I was hoping and praying for Putin Bay. Oh, there, there it is. There it is. Great. Uh, yep, no Putin Bay. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Nantucket sucks, man. It sucks. Balls. It sucks. Jimmy is an island elitist over here. He is quite upset with this list. I mean, of anyone, I mean, he is the only islander on the podcast. Aren't we all really on an island, bro? 
Yes. Whoa, I would man. Cause take, crazy, take another bro. toke, bro. Bro. <laughs> bro. All righty. I'll have what he's having. Are we at the moment that we've all been waiting for? This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. Smash cut. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, before we get started with this last <laughs> segment of our podcast, what starts with W and ends in hat? Do, 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 Zach Facts, it's Zach Facts. When you're going down, get some Zach Facts when you're going down. All right. Are we, are we doing it? Are we good? Zach Facts? Yeah. All right. Um, Zach Facts. Not that great this week. Wow. Because the movie was so funny in itself. So if you want to laugh, don't listen to this. Just stop listening to the podcast now and watch the movie. Whoa, whoa, um, hold on. They got to stick around for the interview with Eric. That's true. Do oh, that's right. That's right. You're right. Listen to the interview and then watch the movie <laughs> and then come back to Zach Fax for mild disappointment. I also um, forget the rest. I don't understand because Zach Fax are true facts. And so there's nothing funny about them. Exactly. It's true. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Exact. An exact Executor. Right. Executor. <laughs> All right. Exact facts. Uh, fact number one for the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. So we talked about awards earlier tonight and we we missed one. You guys you guys missed one. That, that's all it is. You missed one. Um, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. They won an Oscar for the most realistic opening credits ever. But that I was the only year, that was the only year they gave an Oscar for that category. So, huh? Because it was so awesome with the American flag and I, I was going to actually say that those were some super lame uh, opening credits and weren't nearly what? as cool as Fantastic Voyage. <laughs> Loved it. It's my <laughs> ringtone. Number two for realism. They did not tell the actors playing the Whitakers anything, and they set up cameras to capture their real their real reactions. <laughs> wow, I believe it. Confronting, confronting who you think is a Russian mm-hmm. uh, insurgent. I liked it when he it's supposed those. to be a, yeah, it's supposed to be a drama, but then they're like they're acting fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, he he wasn't supposed to get that gun. He just had yeah, exactly get it. like oh shit, could have murdered him on the screen. We shouldn't have loaded it. It's like a real Truman Show uh, style movie. Yeah, yeah, that's another fact. They set up a thousand tiny cameras in that house. Wow. But tiny cameras back there were like two foot long, so. (laughs) What are all these weird sticks? It's like the book book 1984 where they look – like at one point in the book 1984, they look around on the trees, the characters, and they're like – there can't be any cameras or microphones here. They'd be too big. You wouldn't be able to hide them. It's like, okay. Wait. (laughs) What what book? 1984. Never heard of it. Never heard of it? Oh. Well, that's George the next R. episode R. of the podcast. So, yeah, exactly. George R.R. Martin is nice to me. All right, here's another one. Uh, for realism, again, every Russian actor, which we know is American, was required to drink a fifth of vodka prior to filming each day to get in the character. What did they just what did they just be drinking like engine oil or something? Cuz uh vodka's kind of scarce. I mean, off, off, off camera. Off okay. camera. Oh, okay. So it wasn't really realistic. You're right. That's a, that's a Zach sack, Fact done gone wrong. Zach Fact. Hmm. 
<laughs> All right. Um, and as always, with some of our favorite films that we watch, there's always a porn parody. And of course, there's one for this. So the porn parody for The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming is The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. I thought you were going to twist it around. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to I not. Just go on some that. completely <laughs> different tangent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Oh, my word. And I want to apologize to to Eric Moreno, who probably will have zero people listening to his interview now. As we've scared them all off. Put that up for put that first, Kyle. (laughs) At Mac East Second Floor Studios. Sometimes we don't have all the answers. In dire times like this, we've decided to call in the very best. Welcome to an interview with an expert. So tonight we have one of our guests who's been on multiple times, good friend, Samariner vet, Mr. Eric Marino. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. I feel like I'm a, a veteran of the show now. I've been on here a few times now. <laughs> yeah, man, you might have even been on here more than uh, some of our regular hosts have now. Oh, yeah. Well, that's cool. Maybe I just throw me in as a host, and I guess. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Anything new going on in the sub world? Oh, yeah, man. We always got stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, I just ended up doing a, an interview with A&E out in New York on the Growler. Last weekend, that was pretty fun. No shit, uh, talking dude. About, yeah, talking about uh, like museum boats and talking about that. They actually found, they actually, well, they found the AMA that we did back in September, mm-hmm. but he actually listened to me on your podcast and oh, then no called kidding. me and said, hey, look. Yeah, he's like, hey, look, I, I really enjoyed that podcast you did with your buddies. You know, let's do, a, let's do an interview. So it's basically kind of the same thing. We did with you, or I did with you. That's awesome. So you said that's that's on A and E. So like, is it going to be on television? I, I don't. I don't know. I, so the way I was told is it's like a digital series that they're doing. Um, okay. So if you go to if you go to the YouTube, if you go to YouTube and then look up the biography A and E um, YouTube page. Yeah. They've done they've done interviews with like astronauts and some inventors and stuff, and you can go on there and look. And you can see what the the format is, and it's basically a, it's basically a Reddit AMA. Like they're working with Reddit to kind of revamp their digital side of their their uh, content, I guess. And uh, so they wanted to they they were just picking through AMAs and found the submarines one that we did with you guys. And, no way, uh, dude! That's awesome. Yeah, so that's what I ended up doing that. So that should be coming out in probably the first or second week of December. Holy shit, dude. I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be great. So you got to you got to go on a boat out there? Yeah, so they have a museum out there um called the uh Intrepid Museum. So they have uh, uh the Intrepid, which is a conventional carrier that we had. And then on the other side of the pier they have the USS Growler, which is uh the Navy's first guided missile submarine. <clears throat> so it shot four Regulus one missiles, which were the first 
real nuclear cruise missiles, which is what everybody's talking about nowadays with the whole low yield nukes and stuff that they want to put them back on cruise missiles. And this is like their first boat to do that. And so uh, we went down there and they got the the missiles sitting out on the back because it actually, this, this, the submarine actually had two hangers on the top of it. And they were, these, these missiles were essentially, they were essentially aircraft with gyros instead of people flying them. And so they, they, push them out on these decks on the back, on the top of the boat they'd surface the boat they'd push them out on these these like rails they'd pull the wings out and they would lift it up and launch it and so that was the first like essentially the first nuclear cruise missile submarine that we had but we were we were building the polaris uh, at the same time and the polaris was launched by the ballistic missile submarines mm-hmm. and you could actually launch those underwater you didn't have to surface the boat so they were like <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna go with this one. So <laughs> they just they, they only built that one in the gray back, and they stopped. So dang, yeah. I was just uh, in our newest episode. I was reading up on the Polaris A three. Man, that sounds like such a crazy great missile. Man, it's. <laughs> I was impressed at the speed it flies. I didn't know that thing could travel along eight thousand miles an hour. Yeah, anything that goes out into space, uh, they they travel back in real quickly. If you, if you see the cruise missiles, those are the ones that fly pretty slow. Like you can put, like, so we have tomahawks, right? You can put a, a, a nuclear warhead on the end of the, the tomahawk, but the tomahawk's subsonic. I mean, it flies slow enough to where you can fly an airplane next to it and just shoot it down with machine guns, you know, or, or a missile or something. So the, the actual ICBMs and the submarine launch ballistic missiles, they actually go into space and they go so fast because there's no there's no wind resistance up there, they can get up to speed real quick, and they'll actually come back in. But like if you see video of, uh, so last year when North Korea was really ramping up their their nuclear program, and they launched that ballistic missile that landed really close to Japan, like the north side of Japan. Yeah, you see video of it coming back in. Well, that's actually a bad thing. That 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 actually told everybody that they they weren't getting the reentry right because it, when it comes in that fast, you can actually melt it. And you can actually destroy the the warhead. Oh, so that actually coming back in and in the right speeds and the right angles and coming in and having the right materials on the outside so it doesn't melt and stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a huge deal. And so that 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 specific missile itself and that type of reentry is a really delicate thing to do. I bet, man. Well, I mean, like you said, I it's something I never even thought about a missile uh, melting when it's reentering the atmosphere, but that could uh, be a huge problem. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're going 8,000 miles per hour, you got to worry about stuff just melting off. <laughs> well, I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever be traveling that fast, but maybe one day. Uh, so a while ago, we, well, you posted because there was a movie that came out. It's a, we did an episode on earlier, Hunter Killer. It's new in theaters starring Gerard Butler and Gary Oldman. And you have a, much different perspective on it than any of us on our show would because you are a Submariner. Uh, so what are the things, I think, I can't remember how many points exactly you had. I think I mentioned it might have been 10, but what was wrong with this movie? Well, I mean, I, I, and so when I when I did that, what's, I did kind of like an everything wrong with the movie, right? And I had a couple of bullet points and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so I did that before the movie came out and, and I've since 
you know, I've talked to a lot of people and changed my mind a few ways, this and that. And I've actually seen the movie now and stuff. So it's, it's a little bit different. You know, it's, it really depends on your perspective, right? So are you out there looking for a fun movie? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. If you're looking for that, especially for a submarine movie. (laughs) Oh, definitely. You know, are you are you looking for a, an Academy Award winning series? No, you're not going to get that. And and you know that's why I think you see such a a vast difference in what the critics are giving it and what the people are giving it. You know, you see these really low critic scores, these really high people, you know, critic scores, and it's because people love seeing superhero movies and and just kind of unrealistic drama stuff. They love it, <clears throat> but the critics don't like seeing that. And and the people that are you know, that have been in the, actually been in the game. They're like, Ugh, you know, okay. Yeah, I get it. It's fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's not exactly what we would want to see it, but you know what, you know, I was talking to David Iyer about it and he, you know, he, he said, you know, if you did a movie that was on point to submarines, it's probably gonna be pretty fucking boring. <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta, you gotta spice it up a little bit. You know, it is what it is. You're trying to sell movies. You know, this is a business. It's not, I mean, it, you can make a documentary if you want, sell it to Netflix. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of paraphrasing now, but you know, it, you're trying to make a movie and Fast and the Furious type movies that are real exciting and a whole lot of fun. They sell a lot of money. Oh Especially yeah. Especially when you throw, you know, you throw Gerard Butler in there and you got him, you know, kicking people around the torpedo room and stuff or whatever, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, they, cause uh, most of the time you're just out cruising around submerged you can't see anything there's not really anything going on you're just kind of on alert right yeah you know i've actually thought about it a lot like how how could you make an awesome submarine movie like what would it be and my my favorite movie is down periscope right i really like that type of movie mm-hmm. but there's a lot of more there's more talking there's a lot less action you get more of the personality and i think that's why a lot of submariners like myself like it more than say the hunt for red october yeah even though you know it's probably split both ways and then if you go to europe everybody likes dust they don't like anything else you know but it it you know it i don't know it just to get back to the original point it, it's a great movie if if you're looking for action and fun but you know i i would love to see a movie that could you know it, it'd have to be something like uh quentin tarantino like somebody who's really good at dialogue where there's not a whole lot of action going on, just, just a little bit every once in a while to keep everybody interested, but it's mainly like dialogue and just really dark humor that, that you know, that type of like director or series would be the, probably the only type of person who could pull it off at least from what I can think of. So, well, did you know on the movie Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, they actually brought in Tarantino to write some of the dialogue for that movie. Oh yeah. I mean, it, you would have to, if you, if you want to like sit around and listen to people talk, you're going to need somebody who can, who can do that type of dialogue really well. And to be honest, when, when you watch a, a, a Tarantino movie, right, they generally will, will, they'll have just kind of batter back and forth about, you know, a movie that they saw or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy was talking about this, did this. Well, that's exactly what we would talk about on submarines. It's like, oh man, I used to love this movie. This dude would talk about this and say that. And like, oh man, I love that movie. You know, and then DVDs came out and you could take them underway and trade them. So you would actually have that type of 
dialogue in real life. So it's very similar to what we would go through. So it's it's a perfect match. I'm surprised they don't do it more, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is a master of dialogue. It would be, I think, if you had an entire Tarantino submarine film. I mean, Tarantino has his own following anyway. So that movie would already get a lot of attention. But something like that, that would be a phenomenal movie. Yeah, and it had to be dark, too, because at this point, I think what most submariners want to see is just realistic action yeah. because it's just as good man i'm telling you like they the movies are great like i love the whole fast and the furious where they're skirting next to the canyon and they they barely miss it by a foot and then they go through this underwater canyon and all this stuff like i mean yeah i, I get it it's it's but it's there's, there's we never do anything like that that's so unrealistic it's ridiculous <laughs> right. like, why would you do that like why would that be the only way into the port is through a damn underwater cavern that's so stupid that's that makes no sense <laughs> what about the surface boats why can't you just surface to get over there i don't know just it that that little shit just kind of nitpicks at us and we'd like to see the real shit like just people bullshit back and forth in the machinery room you know just fucking with each other and having a good time and like that, I think that's what a lot of the actual submariners want to see is the stuff that's never been done, you know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of personal connection with everybody on board and, I mean, the day-to-day life that you guys go through. Yeah, you know, and I like, like I said, I like Hunter Killer, but that movie's an action movie and it's not really designed to show, you know, intricacies and the ins and outs of everything. It's there to just give you pure action and adventure and, and you won't, you won't get that little stuff like that. That really connects you to what a crew is. That's, I think that's one of the reasons you hear them go, you know, in the movie, Mm -hmm. like you never hear that. You never hear that on a submarine. I don't know. I've ever heard that in my entire life. But it's a, it's a cheap, it's a cheap, quick way to, you know, show that the crew is together on this or whatever, yep. instead of just giving them awesome dialogue and showing that they have this passion to, to keep each other alive, essentially. Like they don't really have a choice to be cool with each other. They kind of have to be. Yeah. Yeah. They so have no know. other option. It's just, it's just a way to deliver, you know? Yep. One of the things that, uh, blew me away in this movie, you're talking about, you know, how unrealistic it was and stuff. Uh, how Gerard Butler was able to, Turn that sub on a dime, specifically that scene where the Russian submarine is shooting the torpedoes at them while they're hidden in the ice, and they're able to, I mean, barely skirt that down submarine. Did you notice that scene at all? Because, I mean, to me, that really stood out. I thought, they're all right, how can you turn a boat like this that quickly? Yeah, I mean, I, you, I think that's pretty, pretty impossible. I mean... Now, now, don't get me wrong. Submarines can turn pretty quickly. I mean, they really, really can. I mean, if you're if you're going all head flank, you know, which means you're going as fast as you can, and you take a right turn, I mean, you can really turn that thing fast. But if you look at like how it actually turns, it looks like it almost kind of stops in front of it and then just kind of veers to the right and does this this weird ninety degree turn. And I don't. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like I said, like you don't. It's that little stuff that gives it action and adventure, but it's mm-hmm. not very realistic. And it, it, you're, you would never, you would never see a submarine, especially a nuclear submarine, that close to the bottom. Like even, I mean, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if shit, if shit's going down, you got to do what you got to do, but putting a, a, a reactor that close to the bottom is not safe because if you hit the bottom, you can suck in a bunch of like dirt and stuff into the cooling system. It's not good for it. Oh yeah. You end up, you can end up, you can end up messing up the, the cooling system. So it's, you don't, you don't get close to the bottom. Like it's not something you do. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's not very realistic. though. <laughs> That's what we all kind of thought too. You know, we thought, well, this movie, I, when I sat there and watched it, I did thoroughly enjoy it. I had a really good time watching it. It's got a lot of things that we like to see. A good uh, good wrench scene. That's always something I'm looking for in a movie. Not everybody really is. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually expect that, but I was like, how are they, they going to do the whole sound thing? Because summary movies always have that same, that same routine that they follow, which is, you know, they got to have submarine puns. They got to have something drop and almost mm-hmm. hit the floor of the deck and almost get them killed. And then they got to actually have something hit the deck and get them killed. And, you know, there's just this, I was wondering how they were going to do that. My, my favorite way that I always thought was have them drop a toilet seat because is it, people don't realize that like, that's, that's something that's, that could really kill you is your damn toilet seat. We have metal bowls, you know, that, that hold the, the water actually in the bowl and and the the toilet seats are plastic. I mean, you can't really put anything that's not industrial in there. So you have this hard plastic seat, and it's just a toilet seat. So if it falls, it'll bing, bang right into that tank, right out in the water, and you're dead because some dude dropped a toilet seat. So when we would go underway and we were in a spot where we had to stay quiet, we would we would zip tie the toilet seats up. So you you couldn't have a toilet seat. So you had to sit on this cold metal bowl or hover over it or whatever you had to do. But I always thought that would be an interesting way. Like you just see this dude taking a piss and ding, you know, he drops the toilet seat and oh, here we go. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's something I I never would have even thought about. That's that is an excellent idea. They do need to put that in. You know, and they have to change little things like that that I noticed. Because like I was a torpedo man, so I actually stood that watch during that scene a, mm-hmm. a lot. We didn't have belts. Like you don't carry tools around with you. Why would you do that? Because then you you risk dropping tools all the time. Right. You don't have tools unless you're actually working on something. So the tool belt was something they had to add to that scene to make it kind of make sense. You know? Yeah. You just there's little things like that that they didn't really have to do. They could have done it better. I don't know. Just in my opinion. Hmm. But it still worked. I think it's a great scene. I think it's kind of funny. My 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 actual big problem with that scene was. When you know, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are are you giving out the spoilers or whatever. But the uh, is when they drop that torpedo on that dude because that's that's a big deal. Like you, they fucked up in that scene. Oh like yeah, they deserve to have that torpedo dropped on them. You don't you don't move a torpedo unless it's secure. And they tried to move that thing without it being secure, and it fell. Like that's what happens. You just you don't do that. So it's that that was one of the big problems that was as soon as they showed this guy to be like a hero after he like had this torpedo drop on him, but he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> <He's> fucking, <laughs> you should have, you should have tied the You should have, you should have secured the thing like you were supposed to. And it wouldn't have fell. You know, they, you, if you see the scene, what they do is they pull the straps off. Well, you don't pull those, you don't pull those straps off unless you have the hydraulic system latched into the back of it, because that thing's going to hold that thing from falling. So, they didn't have the hydraulic system attached to it. And then it fell off the, it fell off the skids and it fell into the floor and boom, you got the dude trapped. Like that's just what happens. Gosh. Especially if you're in a wartime scene where you're taking crazy angles and shit, you know, most, most submarines don't tilt left and right. So mm-hmm. 
those torpedoes usually stay pretty still other than up and down. But when you're going from like, you know, five knots to max speed, the actual torque of the screw will cause the, the boat to spin to the right, kind of like a helicopter does. You know, you have to kind of, it'll, it'll kind of torque itself to the right. And so the boat will actually tilt a little bit. So even when you're going straight, you're still tilting back and forth and stuff. So you got to follow the procedures and secure your weapons, you know? <laughs> wow. That's yeah, that's cool. That's something I never had any, uh, any idea about with that. That's amazing. Uh, there is also something I was wondering, and uh, you would be the guy who would know this during this scene. I just saw how many torpedoes they had stacked up, just tons and tons of them. And then I started thinking, how do they even get, how do they get the torpedoes into the sub? Do they load them where you shoot them out of? So, okay. So there's, there's a funny thing about that scene. If you look at that scene, so that's a Virginia class sub, right? And so when you look at the torpedo room in one scene, it looks like you can see one side or the other of the torpedo room because the torpedo room will have a, a, a port and starboard side uh, where the walkways are. And that's where you see them kind of standing there around the torpedo room talking and bullshit and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have where the panel is. So you see that big black dark panel with all the knobs and stuff on it. And that's where they, they will move and you know launch the weapons and stuff. And then you have the torpedoes behind them. Well, if you look at that rack, it's like, it looks like it's a warehouse. It is a huge room. It goes from like this really small room in one scene to this enormous room in the other. <laughs> so look a little bit bigger and a little bit more stacked than it, than it really is. But I mean, they, they hold a lot of weapons, but so when it comes to loading torpedoes, it really depends on the type of submarine you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, if you look at, if you look at like the Kilo class, which is a, a Russian uh, diesel electric, they'll actually load through the torpedo tubes. So they'll, they'll pump a bunch of water back aft and bring the front of the boat way up out of the water. So it's, it's really crooked mm -hmm. and it'll expose the torpedo tubes and they basically just open the doors and just load them straight in. Okay. And so you also have a few different, uh, uh, Russian submarines will actually have a door in the dead center. So they'll open this door up and they'll just load into this one spot, kind of like an actual magazine on the bottom of a, of a handgun and then load it into the torpedo room. So what our boat or what our boat does or did the LA class. Uh, so the flight three and all of the LA class, they, they load through the forward hatch. So if you look at a, a submarine, there's a hatch before the sail. Mm-hmm. That that hatch, they'll actually angle the torpedoes and they'll go in that hatch at like a 45 degree angle. Oh. And so what they end up doing, so the torpedo room's on the very bottom deck. And so they they essentially remove the entire center of the of the forward end of the boat. So you can't really go anywhere uh, on the forward end without like having to like go up ladders and around and back through and doing this because they actually cut basically a, a hole all the way down in at an angle, they flatten it, they bring it straight down into the torpedo room, and you know it lays flat in the racks, and then they move it back and forth to wherever they need to, and they just kind of bring them in one at a time, and then they offload them the same way. Wow, that's got to take a really long time to get all those in. Yeah, it's it's pretty taxing when it comes to doing that. That's one that's one of the reasons why uh, they went to these new VPMs, which is the new vertical launch systems mm -hmm. because they, they, you can get seven tomahawks into one tube at a time. You know, you're not, you're not trying to load seven. As far as I understand it, I've never actually shot a, a VPM. So I may be wrong about that, but you know, it, it's supposed to help load faster because 
you know, if you have to load the entire torpedo room and you have to load all the VLS tubes, you know, it could take days. So, oh, I bet that's taxing on the torpedo men because now, as soon as they got to go out, they're already burnt out from loading weapons. Now they got to go out and be on standby, ready to shoot whenever they have to. So it's just really taxing. So yeah, I mean, th- whatever they can do to help the load times is is a good thing. Oh, definitely. Now another thing that they had in the movie, which uh, I think is being more common, and I think I even read an article about a bunch of subs being fitted for this, was they had that the mini sub that they sent out. And is it pretty standard now with all subs that they have a compatible, I don't even know what you would call it, uh, compatible connection for a rescue vehicle like that? So, well, so back in the day, that's what made the Dallas so famous. Uh, at least, in, maybe not, I mean, obviously, it was, the, it was obviously in the hot product October or whatever, but that was in the submarine world. That's what, that's what made the Dallas really cool was because it had this attachment on the back that none of the other submarines had where you could attach this little, this little like mini submarine that the, the SEALs use to do whatever they do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what they do, but whatever they go out and do, you know. Nowadays, they, they tried to fit it more because what the overall goal and what the, the U.S. Navy tries to do is because we have a Navy that's designed to go all over the world, essentially, and fight multiple wars, we want to try to make them as versatile as possible. We want to make our submarines try to do everything, right? Like, you, if you want to get my honest opinion, I think that if there was a, an actual sub, like an actual under, underwater submarine battle between two submarines, and one was the Astute class, which is the U.K.'s fast attack and then you went against the Virginia class, I think the astute would win because that boat's designed to actually fight submarines, right? right? It's not designed to shoot vertical launch missiles. It's not really designed to launch against the land. It's not really designed for that. So they could they could, you know, basically up the points in in Hunter Killer instead. So the uh they they want to try to make them more versatile. So when it comes to any type of addition, so you want to add spec ops, right? You want to add some type of addition to the back. All of that stuff is becoming more and more integrated on all the boats um, because that's an easy that's an easy thing that they can do now. You know, it's just a quick little thing around the hatch, as far as I understand, and they can attach a a little mini submarine to it. So, okay. <clears throat> to go back to that, like I'm not, I don't think that every boat does. I, I think that I think some boats do, and I think you're seeing it more often. Is what I'm trying to get at. Okay. But yeah, like you were saying with the astute class, I, it makes more sense for the the U.S. subs to be more versatile because you know we're not actively engaging in submarine battles at this time. Well, maybe we are. You know, it's all underwater; it's all secret. Uh, but we can do more than just engage other subs. Yeah, trust me. There's been no underwater battles. That's one of those things that, like, at this point, if and and I think I told you you guys this. I think it was maybe you. But at this point, like if a torpedo gets shot, there's going to be nukes that are going to be really, really close behind it. So uh, I, I wouldn't assume that anything's been shot since since the Falklands, since uh, the Conqueror went after the Belgrano. But, you know, the, the Falklands were asking for it. They went over there and uh, fucking attacked the British. So, you know, what do you do? Right. <clears throat> yeah, there will be retaliation <laughs> if anybody does something like that. You know, you can't really get away with it. Well, and that's the only nuclear the the only nuclear battle that uh, that's happened too with a nuclear sub. Everything else has been just missiles, 
from the U.S. launching into Syria, essentially, and Iraq and Afghanistan. But see, like VLS, that's what you see with VLS. They're trying to make it. They're trying to make American subs more versatile. They want every boat to have vertical launch missiles because we generally will attack land. If we're going to attack anything, you're going to attack a base or an airfield, or you know, some who knows what they attack. I have no idea. But that generally what they do is they hit airfields and and strategic strongholds and stuff. And uh, so so they they like to have VLS on all the boats. That's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. You know, they're going to start building them into the new Columbia class and stuff like that. So, Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you can, you that, you can you sneak in. A lot. You know, you can just sneak in off the coast and launch them from forever away, you know, and then sneak out undetected. Well, and see, those VLS missiles, like I said, you can load a, uh, you can load a thermonuclear warhead on there. And a, a tomahawk, if you were to launch a tomahawk from the Gulf of Mexico, so if you were, like, right off the coast of Galveston, mm-hmm. you could hit Chicago with it. And that's just a cruise missile. That's just a slow cruise missile. Wow. You know, we could hit ships with that thing. You know, that's not a, that's not even a ballistic missile. That's not something that's going 8,000 miles an hour. That's something that's just cruising, you know, a, a low on the ground at, you know, 600 miles per hour, whatever, whatever subsonic speed it is. And it can go all the way to Chicago. And that thing can have a low-yield nuke on it, which is what they've been talking about lately with these low-yield nukes. And they want to bring them back, which basically turns fast attack submarines into uh, nuclear attack submarines. Like they have nuclear missiles on them again. Dang. So we had them on there before, uh, but they took them off in, I think, like early 2000 or something like that. They had some kind of treaty where they had to take them off. But now they want, to, they want to bring them back. So now it's not just the ballistic missile submarines that we have out there. It's, it's every submarine that we have out there. Dang. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> that's a game changer right there. Yeah, it makes a big difference because, you know, you can take out a whole you can take out a whole battle group with one missile. All you got to do is just hit it in the center, just blow this nuke up in the middle of the ocean and take out a whole battle group and you can just go away. So it really really changes the game. Yes, it does. Well, Eric, I hate to cut this short, but I we are out of time for the evening. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, be sure to look out. You said the, your interview with A&E will be on in the beginning of December, correct? Yeah, it actually, it's actually biography, I think, is the, te- the technical channel that it's actually going to be under. But it's, it's like a subsidiary of A&E. But yeah, so look on the biography channel on YouTube. Um, and you can see some of the previous ones where they did AMAs. Um, you can kind of get a feel. I think I'm actually going to be doing another AMA on Reddit that day as far as I understand it. So check out, check out the IAMA page too, subreddit, and then make sure you check out the submarine subreddit and uh, keep up to date there. And I De- think you should be able to find it. Definitely. We will be posting links to all these things so all of our listeners can uh, stay up to date with it. And uh, be sure to check it out. And thank you again so much. All right, buddy. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Submersion. Find us on SoundCloud and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can't get enough of us? Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, please go ahead and give us a rating.